Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Hey, it's so good to be back home. If, uh, if you didn't know, I, had been, I hadn't been on vacation, okay? I know some of you guys thought I was on vacation. I was not on vacation. I was actually working more than I typically do. Um, I was covering for Pastor Frank at our church at La Iglesia en el Camino. So I was there uh, doing a series. But I missed you guys. I really missed you. I enjoyed being over there. I'm grateful for that opportunity. But I missed you guys. But, but you know what? I watched you online. Does that count? Because that's what some of you guys tell me. So, so does this time, does that count? I promise you, I watched you online. I promise you. I want to say thank you to the Pillar Pastors, Manolo, Tony, Angel. They did a great job in those messages. Can you just give them a big uh, thank you? You know, I, I really miss being here, but I knew that you guys were in good hands, and, uh, and uh, I'm so grateful for them. Um, this weekend, this weekend, uh, Pastor Manolo and I, we got invited to Seattle to go speak at a camp out there. So we flew out Friday morning and uh, we ministered Friday night, all day Saturday and last night. And uh, we actually got dropped off at the airport at 1 a.m. and slept a little bit at the airport. Uh, then we got picked up and we came straight to church. So if you see us with bags in our eyes or swollen eyes or just droopy, we are running on maybe like three hours of sleep. But, you know, we're so grateful. God used us in such a powerful way. Last night, um, we, we were able to minister to the youth in Seattle. And uh, they, many of them got filled with the Holy Spirit. Many of them got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, it was something so beautiful. Because Friday night, I was telling Manolo, Friday night when I preached, uh, it was such a rough crowd. They were on their phones. They were sleeping, distracted. I told them, it was almost like I was talking to a wall, you know. By the time we finished Saturday night, we ended the service, and they wanted to keep worshiping. They kept asking the worship team, another one, another one. And uh, when, when we were having the service, one of the things that the Lord placed in my heart to do was to make a call to them and, and ask those that sense a calling from God into ministry to, to come up. And we wanted to pray for them. And more than 60 youth came on stage saying, I sense God calling me to ministry. So, you know, I'm grateful for those opportunities. I'm just trying to be faithful to the places God is opening up and uh, the places that he allows me to minister. And, and I'll probably be in bed the rest of the day, but I'm so grateful because my heart is so full. And I just want to tell Manolo that it is so awesome to have a friend like you, but it's even better to have a ministry partner like you. I just want to say thank you, man. He's, uh, he's such an encouragement, and he's so much fun. And, you know, I always make fun of him, but uh, it, it, it's because I love him. Which, by the way, you know I got to make a little bit fun of him, right? We were at the camp, and they asked us, is that your dad? 
you know what? I love my dad, but Manolo would be, would be uh, Manolo's a great dad, and I wouldn't mind uh, uh, having him as a dad if I had to. So, so thank you, Manolo. All right. Hey, when you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you don't have one, you can raise your hand, and uh, they'll bring one to you. Next week, we're going to start a new series called Breathe Easy, and we're going to talk about relieving tension in some of the key areas in our life. We're going to look at God's wisdom on how to relieve tension in our finances, in our, in our relationships, in our spiritual life, in our health life. We want to be able to breathe better. There, there is too much stress. There's too much tension. So we're going to go to God's Word next week, and we're going to start learning on how to breathe easier, how to relieve tension in our lives. But what I want to do today, I want to share something with you that the Lord put in my heart. And I want to talk to you about persevering through hardships, persevering through difficult times. And here's the reason why. You may not be going through a difficult time right now, but the sad reality or the true reality is that at one point or another, a difficulty, a hardship, a trial will come your way. Hardships are part of life, are part of life. Becoming a Christian does not make us immune to hardships. In fact, I would even dare to say that as Christians, we are more prone to hardships because we have an enemy that's trying to destroy us. Look at what Jesus said regarding hardships in John 16, He said the following. He said, here on earth, you will have what? Many Trials and sorrows. Wait a minute, Jesus. Where's the blessings? Where's the joy? Where's the laughter? Well, we get that too. But Jesus warned us that in this world, we would have many trials and sorrows. Why? He's not powerful enough? Why? Is he going to find a way to punish us? No. We have trials and sorrows in this world because we live in a fallen world. Because we have an enemy of our soul. Because we make poor choices. But see, now we have to ask the question, well, if sorrows, if hardships are part of Christians and non-Christians, then what's the benefit of being a Christian when it comes to hardships? Well, the Bible answers that. And the beauty of it is that the Bible tells us that for those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, for those of us who believe in Jesus, hardships will come but we interact with them differently. They have a different outcome in our lives. And look at what your outline says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Look at this wonderful truth. It says, we often what? Suffer. Can anybody testify and say, I've been following Christ, but I've had my share of suffering? Right? We often suffer, but we are never what? Crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, What is it that we don't do? We never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we are knocked down, we get up again. See, having faith in Jesus doesn't make you immune to hardships. But what it does is that it changes your experience. It changes your outcome. They'll come your way, but they won't destroy you. You'll be persecuted, but you won't be abandoned. You may get knocked down, but you don't stay down because Christ makes a difference in our lives when hardships come. Amen? And they're going to come. So what I want to do this morning whether you need this right now or you're going to need this in a couple of weeks or months or, or in a year, 
God wanna help us persevere through hardships. Cause can I tell you what's one of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor? That when hardships come, many people walk away from God. Many people go back to their addiction. Many people go back to their misery. They go back to the throwing a pity party for themselves. They go back to distractions. They drown themselves in work and they forget about the Lord. And let me tell you, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. We need to persevere through the hardships. Amen? So that's what I want to talk about you today. Is that all right? Let's bow our heads and we'll pray and then I'll start preaching. Heavenly Father, we thank you this wonderful morning that we get to be in your house. Lord, we don't take that lightly. Lord, we could have stopped breathing today. Something could have happened on our way here, but it didn't. And Lord, we don't take for granted that we get to be in your house, worshiping, hearing your word. Father, I pray that you would continue to move as you've been moving through worship, that you would continue to move in our time together. I pray for those watching online, whether it is in live or they're watching this later on, I pray that you would also move in their environment, Lord. And Father, that our coming to church will not just be part of our day, but that it will become the highlight of our day. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. This past uh, Mother's Day that we celebrated here after the awesome service that we had, uh, Angel, my brother Hugo, and I decided that instead of taking our, our mom and our wives out to a restaurant and waiting in line for a long time and eating food that was prepared really quick, that instead we would cook a five-course meal for them, that we would do something special for them. So we went to Costco, we got some steaks, we picked up some macaroni, we got some mashed potatoes, we did something really good for them. We had a great time after church in our house. And as we were having dinner, as we were having dinner, we were just having a good time, we were sitting outside that beautiful Southern California weather. We were just finishing our food when suddenly Melody said, I, I, I got some news for you guys. She said, I'm pregnant. Oh, man, we jumped out of joy. We were, we were glad, you know? And without skipping a beat, without skipping a beat, Liz, Hugo's wife says, I am too, right? I mean, you, you, you kind of know my mom. My mom's always got her phone, and she's always, you know, connecting my dad through every moment and stuff. So she called my dad right away, and my dad's such a crybaby. He was, he was excited but crying. We, you know, we were just so glad. We were talking about how they were going to be weeks apart, and, and, you know, the family's growing, and it was so awesome. But, you know, two weeks later, Melody wasn't feeling too well. And she gave us the news that she was spotting, bleeding. After her appointment with the doctor, she found out that she was having a miscarriage. And um, that broke my heart. It really broke my heart. You know, I love all my siblings the same way. I really do. And I know they're here, but I love them all the same way. I, I do, I do. But Melody, Melody's the little girl that when I was a teenager, I would work for it to buy her the little pins and little toys, you know? So it broke my heart for my, for my sister. But it also broke my heart because Lorena and I also had a miscarriage. 
And it just kind of opened up old wounds, you know? And, and when something like that happens, there's all kinds of emotions that take place. Now, I'd love to tell you that that's where the story ends, right? But I wouldn't be telling you if that's where it ends. Because only a few weeks later, we had planned as siblings to spend the day at Universal Studios. We were going to go and just spend the day together with our kids, just together. Um, we got to Universal Studios. Melody was with me. And when we got to Universal Studios, we were in line when Hugo called me. And I could hear it in his voice right away. And he said, hey, dude, we're not going to be able to make it. And I said, what's going on, man? And he said, well, we came for our checkup, and they can't find a heartbeat on the baby. So we're going to leave the clinic, and uh, we're going to go to the emergency room. We told him, well, um, you know, once you find out what's going on, let us know. Melody and I and the kids, we stayed at Universal Studios just waiting to hear back from them. A few hours later, our biggest fear was, was came true, right? So, well, this is having a miscarriage. We left Universal Studios, went to their house. And, you know, I, I tell you that not for you to have pity over us because we're not that kind of family. In fact, I had to ask them permission to be able to share that with you. I tell you that because I want you to know that even when you walk with the Lord and even when you're a pastor or a pastoral family, hardships still come your way. Sometimes people think, oh, because you're the pastor, you're closer to God, and, you know, you're not just your mom's favorite, you're God's favorite. And that's not true. Because I'm sure you've had your share of bad, unexpected, pleasant, difficult news, whether it was your mom or your dad that passed away, whether it was when the doctor told you that they found cancer in your body, whether it was when you found out that you're that your kid had been diagnosed with something, or when your spouse told you, I'm done, I want a divorce. Or maybe it was when the job you had been working for suddenly let you go or they closed the door on you. And I would love to tell you as your pastor that once you come to Christ, hardships will not be part of your experience. But I would be lying to you if I told you such things. They are, but I can tell you this. The Bible tells us that one day, hardships will no longer be part of our experience. Amen. That the day will come when all sorrow will be turned into joy. Amen. When all hardship will be turned into laughter. When all toil will be turned into peace. And the day will come when we will be with Jesus for, for eternity and there will be no more cancer, there will be no more broken relationships, there will be no more difficulties, it will be a bliss, it will be a glory, it will be wonderful and it will be beautiful. Amen. But what do we do? What do we do between now and, that, and then? What do we do between our now, our, our here on earth following Jesus and that glorious day when we will be with him and such reality will no longer be our experience? What do we do? Well, we persevere. We can't quit. We can't give up. We can't feel sorry for ourselves. We can't make excuses. We got to persevere through hardships. How do you do that? Well, the Bible tells us how to do that. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, he tells us four things that we can do to persevere through hardships. 
And if you're going through anything, whether it is financial, relational, spiritual, emotional, uh, physical, whatever kind of hardship you're going through, I want you to know that these biblical principles apply to you. And if you just live them out, you'll persevere through your hardship. And look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and what? Momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. I want to break this passage down and identify four things to help us persevere through hardships. And here's the first one. You can fill that out in your outline. To persevere through hardships, the first thing we got to do is we got to sustain a positive attitude. We got to sustain a positive attitude. When hardship comes, you have three options. You know what those three options are? You can complain. You can whine and say, God, why me? Why again? Can't you pick somebody else? But I was doing good. I was serving you. I was generous. Whatever it is, you can complain. Or here's one that's really popular in our days. You can play the victim. You can play the victim and use that as an excuse to have people feel sorry for you. Use that as an excuse to act and and do certain things that you want to do. Or here's the third option, and I think it's the best option. It's to keep a positive attitude. And a positive attitude is not an attitude that says, oh, I'm glad they found cancer in me. No, a positive attitude is one that says, I don't like it. I don't want it. I am believing God is going to change it. But one thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to give up. And to persevere through hardships, the first thing we got to do is have a positive attitude. Look at Paul's attitude at the beginning of verse 16 of that passage. He says, therefore, we do not what? Lose heart. We do not give up. We do not throw in the towel. And he's going to talk about hardships. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Hardships are inevitable. Giving up is a choice. Hardships will come. And yes, you can do certain things to, to diminish the amount of hardships, but they will come. You can't control how many hardships come your way, but you can control your attitude. And did you know that your attitude greatly influences your choices? If you're going to be a victim, that's going to influence your choice. If you're going to be a complainer, that's going to influence your choice. But if you're going to say, I am going to keep a faithful attitude, I'm going to keep an optimistic attitude, that will also influence your choice. Your attitude matters. It matters greatly. Look at what the Bible says about a positive attitude. In Proverbs 17, 22, we read the following. It says, a cheerful heart is what? Good medicine. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. You know, all of us, we need in our life one of those friends that is really optimistic. You know, they just see things positive. You can't be around them and be discouraged. We need somebody like that. If you don't have anybody like that, you got to find somebody like that. But you know what we also need to be careful with? Those people that are those Debbie Downers. The 
those negative people that are always thinking that what can go wrong will go wrong. And our attitude greatly influences our, our choices. And when it comes to hardships, the first thing we got to do is we got to keep a positive attitude and say, we don't like it. We don't want it. We don't understand it. We are believing God is going to do something about it. But one thing we will not do, and that is we will not give up. Now, this positive attitude doesn't come from personal strength. I'm not talking about a positive attitude from your own will. I'm talking about a positive attitude that is a spiritual resolve. Let me explain what that means. To have spiritual resolve, to have spiritual determination is that what you believe about God, what you know about God, what you've experienced about God influences what you believe, influences what you see, influences what you want to see happen. And that is the strength that you draw to have a positive attitude. The positive attitude doesn't come from within. It comes from above. It comes from saying, I am believing he's faithful. I am believing he's in control. I am believing that he is God. I am believing that he sees me. And because I have spiritual resolve, I'm going to have a positive attitude. Amen? So, so that's the first thing we got to do. Which, by the way, can I give you a tip? You got to train for the hardships that are going to come your way. You got to train for them. Pastor Asher, that doesn't make sense. How can I train for something that I don't know that's going to happen? Well, better safe than sorry. What do you mean by train for the hardships that are going to come? Hey, don't wait till your marriage is in trouble to go to a marriage seminar. Hey, don't wait till your kids are a teenager to, to read a, a book about parenting. Don't wait till the doctor tells you that you have diabetes and cholesterol to start doing something about your, your eating. Don't wait till you have an impossible problem to start coming to Saturday prayer. Don't wait till you are in a situation where you don't know what to do to suddenly try to develop a, a, a habit of reading God's word. You got to train. You got to take advantage of the opportunities. You got to train for the hardships that are going to come your way because the better you train, the better your attitude will be. So if you want to persevere, you got to be like Paul and say, hey, we don't like what's going on. We don't want what's going on. We don't understand what's going on. But one thing we don't do, we don't give up. Amen. Second, to persevere when hardships come, and you can fill this out in your outlines, you got to embrace the paradox of inward renewal. You got to embrace the paradox of inward renewal. And I'll tell you what that means. Can we go to the next slide, please? Look at what the second part of verse 16 says. Paul says, though hourly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed when? Day by day. Listen to me. For those of us that have faith in Jesus, hardships have a contradicting, paradoxical effect. The Bible says that hourly hardships are taxing us. They're costing us. We lose our hair, we go bald, we get gray hair, we get wrinkles, we get bigger lonjas, right? Because, because hardships affect our physical body, right? You know, as I'm getting older, I find people t telling me, hey, you're not getting older, you're getting better. Has anybody ever told you that? They're lying to you, they're just trying to make you feel good. They're lying to you. You're not getting better. You're getting older. 
You're getting slower. You're getting more delicate, right? As we get older, as we get older, our back hurts. We're not as patient. Our, our desires change, right? Because listen, physically, hardships, they come and they do tax us. They wear us out physically. But listen to this. Paul says that when hardships come, although outwardly they tax us, inwardly there's something wonderful going on. There's something going on under your skin because the Holy Spirit is producing new life. He's making you better. He's developing your character. He's deepening your faith. He's strengthening your spiritual resolve. And the Bible says, Paul says, that when hardships come, that that hardships inwardly renews us day by day. I know you don't want to admit this, but some of the biggest hardships that you've gone through have made you a better person. See, some of you, you're more patient because you went through some hardships. Some of you, you know how to worship God because you went through some hardships. Some of you, you know how to trust God because you went through some hardships. And hardships, for those of us that believe in Christ, yes, outwardly, they still tax us, but inwardly, we become better and better and better. Look at what James says. Look at what James, what Romans says in 5, 3, uh, verses 3 and 5. Look at what he says. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. What? What? You mean that I was, a, I was supposed to rejoice when I heard about my sister and my sister-in-law? I was supposed to rejoice over my dad's situation? Well, let's finish reading. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us what? Develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And and the character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with what? With his love. You know, a lot of you know that I, I love running. I enjoy running. Last year, I set the goal. I wanted to run the marathon under four hours, and I wasn't able to do it. Well, I found out that if I did a little bit of weights, that it would help my speed. But you know what weights do? They make you sore. They're heavy. They're difficult. You cramp up. You know, before going to the strip on Friday, I went to the gym and I really worked on my legs a lot. I was asleep in the night and I was cramping up. Lifting weights hurts, but you know what it also does? It makes you stronger. It makes you better. I have gone from a nine-minute pace to an eight-minute pace. And weights, difficulty, has made me stronger to be able to do that. So if you want to persevere, if you look at the physical, if you look at the headaches, if you look at the sadness that you feel, you're going to give up. But if you say, I don't understand this, I don't like this, and I am believing God to do something about it, but I know that I am going to be a better person after this, you'll persevere. You'll persevere because the Holy Spirit will work in your inner being to make you into a better person. Which, by the way, which, by the way, when hardships come, if you were tempted to say, God, God's got to be angry at me. God's got to, maybe God stopped loving me. That is a reflection of your spiritual maturity. 
Because God, because hardships do not determine God's love for you. God's love for you is eternal, perfect, complete. Hardships come. I already told you, we're in a fallen world. We make dumb choices and we have an enemy that wants to destroy us. So when hardships come, if you're tempted to say, well, maybe God is angry at me. Maybe God doesn't love me anymore. I want to say to you very kindly and very lovingly as your pastor, grow up. Grow up. Amen. Number three, number three. To persevere when hardships come, you have to develop an eternal perspective. You have to develop an eternal perspective. Look at what verse 17 says. It says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. What? Oh, listen. Paul says, we don't, we don't lose heart. We don't give up when hardships come because number one, they make us into a better person. But here's the second reason. They produce a glory for us. Listen to me. The glory that we experience is, is greater than the difficulties that we experience. Here's what that means. Let me turn that around. You don't want any problems in your life. You won't have great glory in your life. The more problems you have in your life, the greater glory you will have in your life. See, see, some of you, some of you, unfairly, unfairly, you've had to deal with pain. You've had to deal with situations. You've had to deal with hardships because somebody else made a poor choice because of some other consequence. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe you can't have a normal life like everybody else can. Well, I want to tell you that there is a glory that is greater than the difficulty that you are weighing with whatever difficulty is costing you to stay up at night whatever difficulty is costing you to make some difficult choices i want you to know that that those problems are producing a glory that is greater than the problems but we got to develop an eternal perspective because that will not happen here that glory will not be here that glory will be in the afterlife will be in heaven So we need to learn to see, not just with our physical eyes, but we need to learn to see with eyes in eternity. Here's why. Here's why. There are many things in this world that will not make sense. You hear me? They will not make sense until we get on the other side of eternity. It isn't until we are in heaven that we're able to look back and we say, okay, I see that makes sense now. I, I actually had an illustration for you, and I just remember that I was supposed to get it from my desk, and I didn't get it, but I wanted to show you a quilt. Have you ever seen a quilt? Those of us that come from Central America a few generations ago, you didn't go to Target or Ross to buy a colcha a quilt, right? You know how, how our great-grandmother and, and uh, their generation made quilts? Not by, buying to, not by going to buy one. They would sew one from leftover pieces of rags. There was a leftover towel, they would grab it. There was a leftover old uh, 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 shirt, they would grab it. They would grab different cloths and they would sew them together. Now, if you've ever seen a quilt from the backside, it's messy. You see the zigzags, you see the knots, you see where one piece overlaps another one that just doesn't go. But the front of the quilt is beautiful. It's useful, it's wonderful. See, this life is the backside of the quilt. 
It's where we see the zigzags. It's where we see the knots. It's where we feel the, the, the sewing. But on the other side of eternity, we'll look back and say, what a glorious thing God did through my life. So to persevere, we need to develop an eternal perspective. So don't live in light of your hardships. Live in light of God's promises. Look at what God, what Romans 8.18 says. It says, yet what we suffer now is nothing. Can I stop there? Can I stop there? This is important. Why would Paul say that what we suffer now is nothing? You got your own version of a difficult suffering situation. Why would Paul say that? Well, here's why he says that. He says, yet we, what we suffer now is nothing compared, compared to the glory he will reveal to us. What? Later. See, if you only see your difficulty as an individual thing, it's hard. It's impossible. It's a good reason to give up. But if you see your hardship in light of eternity, you'll say, man, I sure don't like this. I sure don't want this. But I know something good God is doing in my life. Amen? Number four. Number four. Getting ready to finish. I think we're going to leave to home early today. Number four. To persevere when hardships come, you need to refine your focus on Jesus. You need to refine your focus on Jesus. Look at what verse 18 says of the passage that we read. Paul says, so we fix our eyes not on what is what? Seen. But on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 89 says. It says, you have never seen Jesus. Any of you have ever seen Jesus? And if you tell me you saw him in a slice of bread, we're going to pray for you after church. <laughs> You have never, what, seen Jesus. And you don't see him now. But you, but still you love him and have, what, faith in him. And no words can tell how glad and happy you are to be saved. This is why you have, what, faith. When hardships come, even when you're walking good with the Lord, they rock you. They rattle you. You know, when my grandma passed away, I don't know that I've ever said this publicly, but I had a good week where I wrestled with my faith. Because my grandma, and she was, a, she was such a lovely lady. She was such a wonderful lady. She died by herself, agonizing by herself for hours. And I wrestled with that. And I said, Lord, you, you got to be better than that, can't you? You got to be a little bit more fair and just when it comes to those situations. Because when hardships come, they, it, it causes you to question your faith. It rattles you. It shakes you. And that's why it's important that we are intentional, that we refine and keep our eyes on Jesus. You know what we did when we found out about Melody? We were at church the next Sunday. You know why? Not because we weren't hurting, 
but because this is the place to be when you're hurting. You know what we did when we found out about Hugo and Liz? We picked up in and out because it helps to have a full stomach. We spent the evening together and we prayed and we encouraged each other to keep looking to Jesus. When hardships come, the worst thing you can do is to isolate yourself. And I'm not telling you not to hurt. We hurt. We hurt. But hurt in his presence. Because hurting here will be a lot more beneficial than hurting in your couch by yourself. Hurting here will be more productive than hurting while you're shopping at the mall, spending money you don't have to impress people you don't like. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When hardships come, instead of saying, oh, I don't feel like going to church today. By the way, Pastor Nestor is not going to be there. No. When hardships come, you need to be the first one here. When hardships come, instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm upset at God. I'm not going to read the Bible. No, you need to read it twice as much so that you can understand him twice as better. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll make it. Because he is the one that begins and finishes our faith. Look at what Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says. Stephen, I don't know if somebody can help me with the piano. It says, let us keep looking to Jesus. Our faith comes from him, and he is the one who makes it what? Perfect, complete. In other words, he's the one that helps us finish. He did not give up when he had to suffer shame and die on a cross. He knew of the joy that would be his later, and now he is sitting at the right side of God. Think of this so you will not get tired and what? Give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He went through his own hardship. He went through his own pain. And he set the example for us. Let me summarize this and give you some encouragement. There's four things that the Bible tells us about hardship. And if you didn't get them, let me just make it even a little bit more simple. The first thing that the Bible tells us about hardships is that the real, you might want to write this down. The real. Coming to Jesus doesn't mean we won't have hardships, but it means that we'll have Jesus in our hardships and that we'll have victory over them. But the second thing that the Bible tells us about hardships is that they're light. They're light in comparison to the glory that they produce. The third thing that the Bible tells us is that they're momentary. They have an expiration date. They have a due date. Let me tell you, five years that my dad's been in Mexico feels like an eternity. But I know that that is not going to be the case all the time. Whether it is here or in eternity, but we're going to get together again. Whatever you're going through, whether it's physical, relational, mental, it's got a due date. It's got a due date. But the fourth thing that the Bible tells us about hardships is that they're productive. They're productive. They make us into better people because our inner man is renewed. But they're also productive because the measure of the hardship creates a greater measure of glory. So here's my encouragement to you. 
James chapter 1, verse 12. Look at what it says. God will what? Bless you. If what? If you don't give up when your faith is being tested, he will reward you with a glorious life just as he rewards everyone who loves him. God will bless you if you don't give up. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.